you're being seated, go ahead and find your Bibles and open them up with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Here's a question for you. When was the last time that you felt calm and relaxed? Maybe it was during a vacation. You were laying on an island somewhere or perhaps you were sitting by a mountain stream. That's my actual happy place. If you can get me in the mountains next to a stream with nobody around, just me and God, I'm a happy camper. Uh, Perhaps it was hanging out with good friends or spending some time with family. And so that leads me to another question. Is it possible to have the same calm in everyday life? Can you be calm, relaxed, purposeful, patient, hopeful, when you have to be at work by 7.30 and the kids have to be at school by 7.45. Whenever you have homework assignments that have to be done and dishes that have to be cleaned, doctor's appointments that have to go, be gone to, practices, misbehaving toddlers, and when you're driving down the road and those people are texting when the light is green, is it possible? I, I believe it is possible. But it will require you to do something different. You have to be a human being rather than a human doing. Now, make sure you hear me well. I'm I'm not encouraging you today to be a slacker. Don't take that away from this. Uh, The title of the message this morning is, is Being. Because I think we often get really twisted up in knots because of everything that we feel like we have to get done. And we lose the calm, focus, and energy that God wants us to have in life by being the people He has created us to be. And so I I want to share with you just one verse today. This is a very special verse to me. It's been a tough week, challenging week. Uh, This is a comfort verse to me. It's a scripture that I go to when I personally need calm in my heart. God used it in a very, very special way in my life about six years ago. Stacy was a few weeks, just a few weeks pregnant with Bennett, and we thought that we might be about to lose the pregnancy and to ultimately lose what would become Bennett. Uh, and I, I was talking to the Lord. I was out walking in the Lincoln National Forest, and I'd been reading in the book of Romans And he brought this verse to my heart, and he ministered to my soul with this sentence. Romans 12 and verse 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer. Here is one sentence that, if you think about it, can capture pretty well all of life. It's an 11-word sentence. And if you look at the verse, which one of those words is the most meaningful to you? Look at, look at those words. Just, just look at it for a second. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, persistent in prayer. Which word is the most meaningful to you? Some of you may have picked the word rejoice. Anybody pick the word rejoice? Yeah. Well, last month, our country celebrated the 50th anniversary of of the landing on the moon. 
It was July 16, 1969, that the three astronauts, Neil Armstrong, Michael Collins, and Buzz Aldrin, were strapped to a 363-foot-tall, 7.6-million-pound rocket. Now, that'll put the fear of God in you, right? You sit on top of a 7.6-million-pound rocket, realizing it's about to launch you into outer space, that'll scare you a little bit. The last words that those astronauts heard from launch control were, good luck and Godspeed. Godspeed is actually a form of this word rejoice. It means to be happy, to be glad. And as you begin your journey, know that you are to enjoy it, that you are to have fulfillment because the kairos, the joy of the Lord, is going to be going, be going with you. Now why can Christians have joy in the journey? Because we know something. We know that it's not an accident. You see, in our lives, we, we don't always know, or we can know, the where and the why. We can say, you know, this is where I want to go, and this is why I want, this is why I want to go that way. But in life, we don't always know the who or the how. Sometimes people will come, sometimes people will go, sometimes circumstances change. But no matter what happens, as a believer in Christ, we can rejoice. Because we know that no matter what happens, that God is there. Right? God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. He is with you. And because of that, we can rejoice. Now, the word in is used three times. Three times in 11 words, you have the word in. We are to rejoice in hope. We are to be patient in affliction. We are to be persistent in prayer. And my guess is that when you were picking the most meaningful words, in wasn't at the top of the list. Did anybody pick the word in? Okay, we got one over here. But it's a huge word because it tells us that we are not on the outside trying to look in, but we are in the inside looking out. You see, the Bible, particularly if you read Ephesians and some of the other New Testament epistles, uses the term in Christ over and over again. That positionally, when you become a believer, God sees you in Christ. So he no longer sees me as separate from his son. He no longer sees me as apart from his family or dying in my sins. But he now sees me, theologically, God sees me in Christ. That is my position. And because I'm in Christ, that is why I experience forgiveness. Because I'm in Christ, that is why I have eternal life. Because Christ has conquered death. Being in Christ is a huge deal. Next service... We have a husband and wife, Nick and Cynthia Flores, who are going to be baptized together. How cool is that? Isn't that cool? Yeah. And so he's actually he's going to be baptized first, and then he's going to help me baptize her. Now that baptism is, is a picture of people who have placed their faith in Christ. It's done before the church because they're proclaiming to the entire church body, I am a believer in Christ. At the same time, Nick and Cynthia are wanting to become a part of this church body, so they are coming into membership through baptism. 
And as they are baptized in the water, it is a symbolic picture of what has happened spiritually when God, the Holy Spirit, baptizes us into Christ. And because we are in Christ, we can rejoice in hope. Because we are in Christ, we can be patient in affliction. Because we are in Christ, we can be persistent in prayer. Your position in Christ has been secured because Christ took your position on the cross. And as a believer, God sees you as His child in Christ. The word hope. Anybody pick the word hope? Rejoice in hope. Anybody pick the word hope? You remember whenever you were a kid and your parents would try to save money on soda? So they would bring home Czech Cola. Anybody remember Czech Cola or Dr. Thunder? Those, those fake you know, off-brand sodas. They still are there. Shasta, Shasta over here. And so you'd get that two-liter bottle and you'd open it up and and it would go flat like after two minutes. I mean, it was just like had no staying power. It looked like Coke, but uh, it just was not the same. And so you'd, you'd, you'd have it, and you're like, this just the package looks similar, the fizz looks similar, but it's not the same. A lot of times people will use that word hope, but it's not the same kind of hope that Christians have. Hope that Christians rejoice in is a lot different than the hope that people try to sell you these days. A lot of things that we call hope these days really just false hope. So my wife is embarking upon a new career journey. She is going to be teaching eighth grade English at Wiley Preparatory Academy. And so I'm learning something. I'm learning that teachers don't just teach in the classroom. It takes a lot of work to be a teacher. Did you know that? A lot of work and so uh, she's constantly working on this and getting everything ready for the beginning of the school year and there's going to be all these young minds that walk into her classroom and they're going to have false hope they're going to think that somehow they might pass her rigorous examinations and make an A in her class but that's just false hope they will, I'm kidding on that, but sometimes we come into some situation, we have these expectations, we have our hopes, but it's really not real. Sometimes we have a temporary hope. The weather's getting cooler outside. You know how I know? Footballs are in the air. Once the footballs begin flying, the weather will start cooling off, okay? It may take a little while. And college football season is about to kick off. And right now, we have Longhorns, Aggies, Red Raiders, Sooners. Did I miss anybody? Yeah, I missed a lot. But anyway, I went to Dallas Baptist. We don't have a football team, so I just root for all the Texas teams. Baylor Bears, that's right, Baylor Bears. Well, all these teams are undefeated. They all have hope right now of an undefeated season. None of them have lost a game this year. But for very likely all of them, it's a temporary hope. And sometimes that which we call hope is temporary. Sometimes we have a hope, but it's not a guaranteed hope. How many celebrate a wedding anniversary this summer, during the summertime? You remember back whenever you walked the aisle and you said, I do? Did that I do come with a money-back guarantee? Was there like a manual that said, okay, well, if it doesn't work out, you know, or anything like that? 
No, you, you had to place a lot of faith in that commitment. You were trusting each other. But a lot of the things that we call hope, it's, it's not guaranteed. But God calls us to a different kind of hope. He calls us to real hope. In the end, it will never be lacking. He calls us to an eternal hope. It outlasts the 100-year window that we call life. And He calls us to a guaranteed hope. Our hope in Christ has been guaranteed by the atoning death of Jesus Christ and His powerful resurrection. So learning to rejoice in hope will change you because it allows you to press on even when your earthly hope begins to fade. B. Anybody pick the word B? The word B is used twice in the sentence, and it's also an important word. It's why I am calling the sermon today being. One of the big dangers of our highly connected, overstimulated culture is that you'll become a human doing instead of a human being. You'll forget how to just be. You ever do any people watching? I'm fascinated by people watching. And one of the things that I've noticed is any time that we have a minute of downtime, what do we do? Just look around at the grocery store lines. What do we do? As soon as there's a minute of downtime, we go into our online world. And what's funny is we're telling people, I don't really want to talk to you, but I'm going to talk to all these folks right here. And I don't have any problem with it. I do that myself a lot. Yet at the same time, let's realize that a full soul requires that you learn to stop. It requires that you learn to calm your being and just listen to the voice of God. We're losing the art of listening. If you talk to people, many of us are human doings, and we're physically exhausted, spiritually empty. If you're a believer in Christ, let me remind you of something today. You are free to be, to be blessed, to be content, to be different, to be happy, to be free, to be hopeful, to be patient, to be free in Christ. So don't get so busy being a human doing that you become a shell of yourself. Remember to be, just to spend time. Spend time with the people that you love. Spend time with your God. Patient. If I pick the word patient, got one right over here, a couple there. That's a hard word for me. I, I like to get things done, and I like to get things done now. A few months ago, I was praying for our church, praying for the church. I want you to know something. Um, I pray for you. Wife prays for you. Our staff prays for you. We pray for you. Whenever we say, I'm praying for you, or we post something on social media, I'm praying for you, we, we, we pray for you. I also want you to know this. I love you. I love you. There is no place on earth that I'd rather be today than right here at Murphy Church. No place on earth I'd rather be today than right here at Murphy, Murphy Church. Now, I'm just a part of this church. But I'm proud to be a part of this church. 
This is my family. I love this church. And one word that God gave me a few months back was breathe. Just take a deep breath. In fact, let's just try that right now. Everybody just take a deep breath. Breathe in. Breathe out. Sometimes I just need to breathe and be patient. One of the things that the Lord told me was that He's doing people, things in people's hearts and people's lives and He's doing things that go beyond me or beyond you or beyond anything that we have control over and that we need to trust Him and breathe and be patient and follow Him. Be patient. Patient in what? Well, the verse says that we're supposed to be patient in affliction. Now, I'm almost positive that you didn't select affliction as your favorite word. If you love suffering and pain, and you're like, give me more, I want more suffering, I want more pain, I I want more trouble, if that's where you are, we probably need to talk, okay? But there are times when God calls you into a season of pain. Remember this, God called His own Son into a season of pain. And from that pain, He brought forth hope for all the world. Great hope can come from great pain. Now, many Christians, they, they never make it to this part of the verse. They read the first part of the verse, rejoice in hope, <laughs> like I'm tracking with that, but then they get to the next part, be patient in affliction, the brakes squeal, time to zone out, think about something else. In fairness, uh, since we were two years old in our Oshkosh overalls, we've been taught this idea, this premise that if you go through a difficult season, if you're in affliction, if something bad's happening, then that means you've done something wrong or somehow God has withdrawn from you because we've, how do all the stories end? And they all lived happily ever after. That's how all the stories end, except for that one Avengers movie. But then there was a sequel where they all lived happily ever after. Okay? But a, a Christian can be patient in affliction. Why? How can I be patient in affliction, particularly if you're not a patient person? Because you know, and what is it that you know? Well, the Bible tells us in other places that affliction, Romans 5, affliction produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character leads us back to hope. So if you want to be a person of emotional and spiritual endurance, you're going to have to go through the difficult journey. If you want to be a person of character, you're going to have to go through the difficult journey. Why? Because it's the difficult journey that reveals your character. It's during the difficult times that people see who you really are, and all that leads us back to this idea of hope. And we know, as believers, we know something about affliction. We, we know that it's temporary. When you go through a challenging season of life, it's not your eternity. Your eternity is with God in heaven. So this too shall pass. Christian maturity is seen when what you know about God 
meets the realities of your life and your faith in God sees you through. Everybody in this room, at some level, you want to be successful. Maybe your success is on a big scale, maybe it's on a smaller scale, but somewhere inside of you, you, you want to be successful. We as human beings, we hope, we dream. I, I don't find my two Labrador retrievers sitting around hoping and dreaming and planning. But we hope and dream. It's part of the human experience. But most of us, we, we really want it to be easy. And so the moment that it gets hard, we begin to lose hope. Sometimes we get disillusioned. One of the tragedies of maturity is whenever you start to lose your curiosity. Particularly whenever you replace curiosity with cynicism. And it's really easy to become angry. And when anger begins growing a root in your heart, when anger is not checked, then you can quickly become a bitter person. And everybody that you come in contact with at some point realizes you're a bitter person. But then there are those who learn to rejoice in affliction, not because they have some type of sadistic desire to suffer, but they understand that enduring the struggle is part of the reality of hope. The Bible tells us that we are to be persistent. Persistent people. They're the ones that change the world. Persistent people. They are the ones who make an eternal impact. These are the people who inspire us. Persistence is a part of faith, is it not? We persist in faith. And I want you to realize this can be you. You say, what, Lash, I'm not a, I'm just an ordinary, no, this can be you. God has equipped you and strengthened you with what you need to face any affliction, and as you persist through it, God can use you. You say, Lash, I, I honestly don't know how I'm going to do it all. I'm not even really sure what it is that I'm supposed to do and what it is that I'm, I'm not supposed to be doing. I mean, right now my life just seems a little bit confusing. Well, he says be persistent, and what does he tell us to be persistent in? Prayer. Be persistent in prayer. I, I love the saying, prayer changes things. Anybody have that coffee cup? Prayer changes things. And it's true. In fact, the past few weeks, I've, I've heard some really cool stories of miracles. The pastor was telling me about a person in his church that was going through a disease, and, and they prayed over the lady, and they took her in for the MRI, and the disease was gone. only explanation they could come up with was that the Lord had performed a, a miracle. There are times when God just shows off. He shows off and he does something that, that only God can do. Prayer doesn't always, though, change your circumstances. You ever had the experience of praying about something and you're like, okay, prayer changes things, I'm going to pray about this today, and then nothing changed? 
Circumstances were still challenging. Things were still hard. Prayer doesn't always changes, change your circumstances, but it can always change your perspective. You see, much of prayer is about going to God and asking for His wisdom and His strength so that we might rejoice in hope, be patient in the struggle, and that we might know which step to take. And when I go to God in prayer, He always grants me His presence, and it is in His presence that I find His calm. You don't find the calm through an absence of activity. You find the calm in the presence of God. And that's where He also gives you that strength to persevere. So when was the last time you felt calm and relaxed? I'm not going to sell you a timeshare today. <laughs> and I'm not going to pretend that if you sing and pray that it's all just going to instantly get better. Adulting is hard. Last night they had my 30th high school reunion. Can you believe that? I didn't get to go. I think it was at a, a bar somewhere. It's probably not a good idea for the pastor to be hanging out in the bar on Saturday night before church. But anyway, I, I digress. So they posted pictures this morning on social media that my, my friends from high school, and they were in this group picture. And I, I looked at it, and I was like, man, they, they look a lot different. Uh, yeah, they don't look the same. Why? Because adulting is hard. It, it, it takes a toll on you. But, but I can say, it is possible to have a calm and a purpose and a direction that comes from above. There's old Nick and Cynthia trying to sneak in over here. They're getting baptized next hour. Everybody say hi to Nick and Cynthia. <laughs> Rejoice in hope. Be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Amen? Let's bow our heads. Let's stand together. Musicians are going to come. If there's anything I may pray with you about, I'll be here at the front. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your truth. Thank you, Father, for our church, for the love that we share for the hope that we have. We pray, Father, that in every person's life the goodness of your will might prevail and that we will follow you with joy in our hearts. Father, I pray that as we worship that it might bring glory to you and help us, Lord, to sing from the depths of our soul. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.